wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. back folks right here on Russell Rant Radio for September 22nd 2016 the premier day in the autumn season cannot wait for the fall season so underrated in my opinion I'm Graham G.S. Matthews uh, just a lot to talk about here today per usual I feel like I say that every single week and I do I know I do I know it's cliche at this point but I love the fact I, I, I both dislike and like the fact that we have two pay-per-views a month for both Raw and Smackdown it won't be like this all the time but at least for the past month and the next couple weeks going forward we're going to have multiple editions of WrestleRant Radio where we have a review show of a pay-per-view and a preview show of a pay-per-view. Last week, we, we, we reviewed Backlash. This year, we preview Clash of Champions. Next week, we preview Clash of Champions or we review Clash of Champions, rather. And the week after that, we preview No Mercy. So that's just the way it's going here on the show, and I like it. It always gives us you know material, nonstop material to talk about here on the show, delve into, review, discuss, give my two cents on, so on and so forth. So again... Stack show here today, we're talking a little bit of news that I'll get to momentarily in regards to Impact and some TNA-related news, which I don't always discuss here in the show. I do watch Impact. I think the product has been overly very good in 2016. But again, I'll get into that in a couple minutes. Some TNA-related news. Uh, reviewing Monday Night Raw, Tuesday Night SmackDown Live, Wednesday's NXT. If we have some time, maybe some Lucha Underground thoughts. And of course, at the end, stay tuned for my Clash of Champions predictions for this Sunday's pay-per-view event. So we'll kick off the show here, like I said, a few news and notes items in the from the world of wrestling. First and foremost, I know this news broke last weekend, I think it was, Saturday, Sunday, something like that. Um, I, I don't remember exactly what day it was, but it's a bit of older, not old, old news at this point. It's still being discussed even today, um, but the news did break initially, I think about a week or so ago, obviously after we recorded the show here for WrestleRant Radio last Thursday, but news is circulated and it is being circulated right now. WWE might be in the process of buying TNA. So I know that sounds that's completely blowing it out of proportion. This is not a repeat, a rehash of WCW being bought out by WWE back in 2001. That is not the case. Uh, TNA, this has been common knowledge for a while now. Even TNA president Billy Corgan has, you know, come out about this in the public about how TNA is up for sale. They're looking for new investors, potential buyers, stuff like that. They're not going out of business. At least I don't think so. Uh, at least I don't hope so. So um, that's that's not the case. That's not the case. TNA is up for sale, but they just need a new funder. I think they're looking for one by Bound for Glory, which is October second, I think it is, in a couple weeks. So we'll also, you know, maybe next week um, after we review Clash of Champions, maybe we might preview Bound for Glory. And I feel like I kind of need to, just because the product has been so good this year. I'd be kind of, I'd be remiss not to talk about Bound for Glory. So we probably will do predictions if I remember to put it on the schedule. So hopefully we will do that next Tuesday or next Thursday here in the show. I'm still in the, we have shows on Tuesdays mode. Uh, so anyway, TNA looking for a new potential investor by that Sunday, October 2nd, by the day Bound for Glory comes around. 
Um, but even if WWE had any interest in buying TNA, I talked about this briefly at the end. I think it was the last question I answered on hashtag AskJSim last Monday. So my full thoughts on it, check out that episode. Um, I kind of discussed a little bit more on that. In regards that if WWE had any interest whatsoever in purchasing TNA, they would only do it for the video library. They would not buy the promotion. Why would they? I mean, I feel like they would lose money on TNA. It's not like with WCW when they bought out WCW 15 years ago and the initial plan was to make Thursday the Raw show and Monday the Nitro show. Of course, after Booker T versus Buff Bagwell bombed on Raw, they scrapped that idea and WCW as its own brand was no more. Um, I'm sure they wouldn't even entertain that idea for TNA. Why would they? I mean, their audience is only a couple hundred thousand people. It's not terrible, but it's minuscule compared to what it used to be. I mean, the Raw ratings are going down too, obviously, but they don't have that same fan following they did back when they were on Spike. Maybe I can kind of see an argument back when they were on Spike a few years ago and they had they were still doing over a million people each week, um, but they're not. At this point in time, they're not. They're only doing 200, 300,000, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I might be uh, way off here, but I know it's in the 100,000s. Two, three, four, maybe five. I don't even think it's five. 100,000 viewers just because they've changed networks so many times. A lot of people don't get Pop TV. I don't get Pop TV. I have to watch it online every week. Um, just because I don't get the channel. A lot of people do not get Pop TV. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that I, th- there really is no worth in, in bringing in TNA as its own brand, its own promotion, keeping it running if WWE was to buy it out. Of course, I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's in the cards. Um, will they buy them out someday? Wouldn't surprise me. Um, but from what I've heard, that the if there is any interest from WWE, and I'm hearing that there might be, according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, that if there is any interest, like I said, it would be only for the video library, which makes per- <clears throat> which makes perfect sense. They have guys like homegrown talent from, uh, from TNA, including AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, Samoa Joe, Austin Aries, and all these other guys, that if they buy out the library, they can use it for video packages and stuff like that, So, um, which you know, most of AJ's career took place in TNA, so that would make the most sense to me. Uh, but hopefully that is the case. I would love to see that. I mean... I mean, I would love to see TNA footage on the WWE Network. I think that'd be awesome. I've always said, I mean, there's no possibility whatsoever of TNA having their own TNA Network similar to the WWE Network. It's just not even close to being in the cards in terms of being big enough and stuff like that, not even being a feasible idea for TNA at this point in time. Probably ever. If the time to do that, it probably would have been five years ago, but that was before the whole Netflix boom and stuff like that. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that I would love to see a TNA Network of some kind with every archived event. I know not a lot of the recent shows, I mean this year certainly, but in recent years, I'm thinking 2014, 2015 was not great for this company, Um, but I would love to go back and watch, you know, Bound for Glory 2010, or Unbreakable 2005, the host of that amazing triple threat match between Samoa Joe, Daniels, and AJ Styles, a match in which I own on the AJ Styles phenomenal four disc set, which I got at my birthday, which is fucking phenomenal, you know, pun intended. But anyway, I want to say the whole show, stuff like that. You can't, I mean, I think they do have that kind of stuff on YouTube, I think, presented by T, unless they took it down, I don't know. I think TNA has it on their official YouTube channel. But I would love to see that kind of stuff on the WWE Network. So if that's the case, I'm all for it. I don't know if, what it's going to cost TNA, um, what it would mean for them. I'm not exactly sure. But the bottom line is that I don't think they're being bought out by WWE. That's not even close to being the case. Maybe it will happen. Who knows? I just don't think it will. If anything, they will purchase the video library, which I'd be completely on board for just to see more footage of Styles, Rude, and so on and so forth from their time in TNA on the WWE Network. Speaking of TNA, tonight is their latest episode. We are only 
week and a half away from Bound for Glory, so I look forward to that. But tonight they are promoting the debut of a new superstar. So they've already taped all their shows through Bound for Glory. So whoever it's going to be, it's going to be via video package. And presumably it will be Cody Rhodes. There have been rumors for a while now that Cody Rhodes will be working TNA in Ring of Honor, but not under contract, which is very rare for both companies. So that's pretty cool that, that Cody Rhodes is a big enough name and a hot enough free agent that he could do that, work for TNA and Ring of Honor, just not you know through not being signed to a contract, which is pretty damn cool. Um, so I'm all on board for that. I think it's great for him. I got to meet him, like I said, a couple weeks ago at... Chaotic Wrestling on Friday the 9th. Great guy. Got to talk to him for a few minutes. And he's just killing it right now in the indie scene. So really good for him for going to TNA and doing the Ring of Honor thing and still doing the indies. That's great for Cody Rhodes. I'm sure that's who they're promoting tonight. They said his... I haven't seen the vignette yet. I just saw that it said his past... is uh, He's left his past behind or something like that. I'm not sure. And it certainly would make sense. They currently broke the news. Or not currently, but I think on Monday they broke the news that they signed Brandy Rhodes, his wife, the former Eden Styles from WWE, um, that she will be wrestling for TNA as a knockout. I have no idea how much wrestling experience she has. If any, I think from what I read when the press release broke, or even before that, when TMZ broke the news on Sunday, like a day before TNA did, that she'd only wrestled maybe one match, I think, in WCW. She didn't wrestle at all, obviously, on WWE TV. She was primarily a ring announcer. Um, so maybe, I'm, I'm, I don't know. So I guess we'll see how she fares. That division definitely needs new blood on. I re- I saw recently they brought in Chelsea Green from Tough Enough, which is cool. I don't know how good she is, but a new face is a new face. So good for them. Um, so that's all the news on the TNA front for this week. From there, we'll move into Monday Night Raw from Monday Night, September 19, 2016. An all right show, better than some recent weeks, but just not a great go home show. I thought Raw this week just kind of failed in getting me pumped for Clash of Champions more than I already was. It's not like they announced the match like, wow, I can't wait for that match. Like, I was already looking forward to most of the card anyway. We already knew that, you know, Cesaro and Sheamus would be added. We already knew that they probably would add Bailey to the Women's Championship mix after the whole, um, you know, controversy and fiasco that ended the triple threat match from last week with both the shoulders of Bailey and uh, Sasha Banks being on the mat when the pin was counted, so whatever. So that made sense. Alicia Fox and Nia Jax. So most, most of the card is pretty predictable. And I still look forward to it, don't get me wrong. And I'll talk about that in my Clash of Champions predictions a little bit later on here in the show. But to me, I just thought it was really kind of failed them being a go-home show. The, the purpose of a go-home show is to get you more amped up about the upcoming event than you already were. And it's not that it took away from my excitement. It was just kind of there. It just really was... You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to Sunday, but I'm not any more excited now than I was before the show started. So we'll see when I talk about Clash of Champions what my excitement level is. I'll share that at the end of the show. But anyway, Monday Night Raw on Monday night, obviously kicking off the show with Roman Reigns, not even saying a word before Stephanie McMahon comes out, Nick Foley, uh, confirming that he will face Rusev on Sunday at Clash of Champions for the WWE United States Championship before putting him in the main event against Kevin Owens, in a steel cage match. So I'll talk about that more in the main event between Reigns and Owens. I feel like it's kind of a waste to talk about it now. Because the match was good. But I thought the announcement of a steel cage stipulation was completely worthless. And just a total waste. And especially with Stephanie McMahon saying that, oh, it's going to be non-title. You knew that Roman was going to win. So anyway, I'll talk about that more a little bit later on. From there we go to Seth Rollins versus Rusev for the first time ever one-on-one. Really good match. 
fuck finish, or not really a fuck finish, more of a non-finish with the double countout. I was fine with that just because Rusev is a U.S. champion. He should not be losing consistently. Um, Seth Rollins is heading into the main event of the upcoming pay-per-view, so he shouldn't be losing either. I was fine with the double countout. Rollins jumping off, I think, the announce table or the stage or something on top of Rusev, so a cool visual. He was jumping over everything this week. He was jumping off of the stage. He jumped off the top of the cage. So uh, Rollins really was taking risks and going uh, going high risk, literally, all over the show this week. So good match there. From there, we go to Braun Strowman versus Sin Cara. Standard squash. Sin Cara got more offense over Strowman than anyone else had before up to that point. But still, his efforts were null and void, coming up short against Braun Strowman with a cool-looking finish. You know, Sin Cara went for like a moonsault or something. And Strowman caught him right into his finisher. That was really cool. So Strowman wins. Um, I'm sure, I'm, you know, we might see him on Sunday. We already have seven, eight matches, maybe nine on tap if they add, you know, Enzo and Cass versus the Shining Stars to the card if they have time. Um, so I don't think it's really necessary to get Braun Strowman on the show. But uh, this is exactly what it needed to be. Where you go from here with Strowman, I'm not sure. I don't know who you feed him to next or, you know, who you, uh, who you feed to him next, rather. Because they already kind of promoted Jack Swagger to SmackDown. I would have been fine with that because he has a shred of credibility, I guess. A lot more than Sin Cara does so as the former world champion, unfortunately. But, yeah, so I guess we'll see what's next for him going forward. After that, we had Charlotte and Dana Brooke defeating Bailey and Sasha Banks in tag team action. A good match, just not nearly as fun. That, that was really the biggest takeaway from this match for me. That it was a really, you know, it was a good match, but it wasn't quite as good as the tag team match that we saw at Battleground involving the same four women. I don't know. I don't, it, it wasn't just because it was Bailey's main roster debut technically at that show. It was more along the lines of, I think it was probably due to the fact that this build that for this match on Sunday, this triple threat match has been all over the place. Fucking all over the place. It was Charlotte and Sasha. At one point, it looked like it was going to be Charlotte and Bailey. Then it was Charlotte and Sasha. Scrap that. Charlotte, Sasha again. And then they make it a triple threat match. It's been all over the place. The build for this match has been fucking chaotic as hell. I love the matches um, that they've been having. The women's division on Raw has been alright. The SmackDown women's division has been blowing it out of the water in my opinion. But it is what it is. Um, the match was still good though. Charlotte and Dana Brooke won. More, again, once again teasing tension. So I'm sure that will lead to something at some point. Hopefully in the near future. Bailey eats the pinfall, so I'm fine with that. I'm fine with Bailey eating losses, maybe not every single week, but they should be building her up as an underdog. So I'm glad how they've been using her so far. I mean, although the build to this bout on Sunday has been a little bit chaotic and questionable and stuff like that, it has been all right on the whole, and I still look forward to the match between these three women. I'm sure they're going to kill it. After that, we had Bo Dallas versus Gary Graham. This guy is just diminishing the name of Graham. He's just really bringing shame to the name. Shame. Shame. I don't even watch Game of Thrones, and I felt like that was an appropriate reference. So anyway, um, standard squash match. Bo Dallas wins. What else is new? I like the serious demeanor. I'm fine with that. I wrote a whole article about, I think, about a week ago, last weekend, maybe. I forgot exactly when it was, but last week, about how asking you guys if you still believe in Bo Dallas because I really don't. I like Bo Dallas. He's a great comedy, you know, comedic filler, comic relief, whatever. But I just can't take him as a serious threat, especially when he acts all serious during the matches and, you know, and his demeanor is all serious. That That's great. But then why the fuck is the guy carrying around a sign that says, Bo leaving Bo? It looks campy as hell. I would be fine with it if it was, you know, a, a social outcast thing or if he was doing this on Superstars, but he's not. It doesn't really match what he's trying to go for. So 
hopefully scraps that soon and continues this you know recent string of momentous wins that he's been on recently. Um, after that, we had the match six in the best of seven series between Cesaro and Sheamus. Another good match. Cesaro wins again, obviously, to tie up the series 3-3. Three, three. Uh, seventh and final match on Sunday for... They really haven't made it official, unless I'm not paying attention. I know Cesaro and Sheamus have both said it's for a title opportunity. But weren't there matches a month ago for a title opportunity too? And then Cesaro won, and then he lost to Rusev, and then we're getting a best of seven series. And the matches have been good, don't get me wrong. It's been a real good use of both guys to keep them busy for the meantime. But I don't think it was ever really officially announced that the winner of this match would get a title opportunity. I think they're just saying that just in case... Just to give us the the idea or the illusion that the winner, you know, it's going to mean something when these guys win. Because if neither one of these guys gets something out of this, then what the fuck was the point? Other than killing time, which is fine. But if Cesaro wins on Sunday, which I expect that he will, and he should, then why would I care about him winning if it doesn't lead to anything? So hopefully it does. But this match was good. Cesaro wins. Like I said, pretty obvious, pretty predictable stuff. From there, we go to a 10-man tag team match. Even before that, we had Jericho come out with his list... And his lists are always great. You think about the list of 100, or not 100, 1,004 holds from WCW. Armbar. And then his list, which a lot of people forget about. Back in 2010, he did a list of everyone that he's beaten. And it was right before a match, his last match of that run in 2010. He took about a year and a half off, a couple, a year and a couple months off. At that point, after he lost to Orton, he got punted in the head to write him off of storylines, whatever. So anyway, um, Jericho, right before Orton made his entrance... He was going through everyone that he's beaten from, you know, from CM Punk to freaking Triple H, The Undertaker, Kane, uh, all these other guys that he's beaten throughout his run. Hulk Hogan, then he said Diesel and Scott Hall, uh, Oz, all those kind of other gimmicks for, uh, you know, for Diesel and Scott Hall and Razor Ramon. Like, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was funny. So anyway, and then he came back from commercial break and he was still doing the list. So that was funny, too. So they did something similar on Monday's Raw and his complaints about McFoley, the Raw general manager. So I like that a lot. Um, from there, we had that, as I said, the 10-man tag team match after Sami Zayn came down, the New Day, all these other guys. It was New Day, Enzo Amore, Big Cass, and Sami Zayn beating the team of the club, the Shining Stars, and Chris Jericho. Fun little match. It, again, it didn't make me any more excited about these matches come Sunday, but I'm still looking forward to... At least Zayn and Jericho. I feel like New Day and Club, we've seen it a million times. I'm really over this match. Uh, Enzo and Cass, I love. Could not give two shits about the Shining Stars. So, we'll, we'll see where that goes, if they even have a match on Sunday at all. But uh, this was fine. Then after that, we had the debut of the Cruiserweights on Monday Night Raw. So, uh, mixed bag. Mixed bag surreal. I had mixed thoughts on this entire presentation. First and foremost, the match was amazing. The match was really good. It was Brian Kendrick, Cedric Alexander, Rich Swan, and Grand Metalik in a fatal four-way number one contenders match with the winner facing TJ Perkins for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship on Sunday's Clash of Champions show, which was won by Brian Kendrick. Fine winner. Uh, he won with a bully choke, which was cool, kind of introducing that to the main roster audience. He's only used that in the CWC. Before that, it was the, the Kendrick, which he could still do. Um, but anyway, really, really fun match. No issues with that. It was more along the lines of, one, I would have done this in the first hour. Not that the crowd was dead. The crowd was in the match. Maybe not as much as they probably would have if they did it in the first hour, which I think it should be. If they can learn anything from WCW, it's that you should put the Cruiserweights in the first hour of the show. Maybe not necessarily in the opener. That's exactly what I would do. But even if they don't want to do that, they could always put them at the 8.30 mark, the 8.45 mark, when it's still, 
when people are still awake and, you know, they're still awake and at attention and stuff, you know what I mean? They're still fully paying attention to the show. Um, not always the case at 10.30 when you do a match such as this. So again, a really good match, but I feel like it would have benefited from happening a lot earlier on. Two, having Mick Foley make the introduction was fine. I thought he went on for way longer than he should have been. Way longer than he should have, just because, oh, this is going to be great. It's a monumental moment. It's like, just dude, fuck it. It's 10.30. I've been waiting all night for this. Just bring it out already. You know, I love Mick Foley. It's, but, you know... I don't know. I just feel like it wasn't it wasn't really necessary to have him out there for I think at least five minutes talking up the cruise weights. I mean, we already know how great these guys are. You could show a couple video packages, which they did from the CWC. That enough is enough for me to make the casual viewers care about these guys. It's gonna take time to establish different characters for them and like who the fans are supposed to cheer for. That's always been a big gripe of mine. That was certainly the case with this match. The action was so good it wasn't really that big of an issue, but that is something they need to work on in the future. They need more time. I've already seen people complain they're going to be, you know, toned down from the CWC, which is obviously the case. They're not going to be having the same amazing matches they did in fucking CWC because that show is an hour and they didn't have the other matches to compete with because they're going to blow everyone else out of the water. If they had the same, if we have a Cedric Alexander, Kodai Ibushi like match on Monday Night Raw, the main event's going to die a death unless they're the main event, which they obviously will not be then they're going to die a fucking death if it's just, you know, if they're really killing it every single match and, you know, they're really taking away from other matches. I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying it's a shame and it probably won't happen. Uh, but anyway, so Mick Foley, like, reading off the note cards wasn't terrible, but it's like, dude, if you had Mauro Ronaldo doing this or Daniel Bryan who were fucking there and watching the whole thing with their own two set of eyes, then I feel like it would have come off a lot better if it was just those guys. So anyway... Uh, that was all right. The fact what bothered me more than anything else was that he was backstage, the cruiserweight, the newly crowned cruiserweight champion TJ Perkins, but he was not on this show, or at least on television. Why? Why? The guy literally is coming off the biggest win of his career last Wednesday, I mean, five days earlier, and he's not even on the show. <clears throat> he's not even on the show. They showed a video package of him winning the title in the CWC finals. That's all well and good, but why wasn't he on commentary here? At the very least, after Kendrick wins, have Perkins come out. Because so far, the main roster audience, I mean, a lot of them know who TJ Perkins is, whether they were familiar with him from his time in TNA or they watched the CWC. But there's a lot of people who don't watch the network on a regular, other than the pay-per-views. They only watch the pay-per-views, and that's it. They don't watch, you know, NXT. They don't watch the CWC. They have no idea who the fuck this guy is, TJ Perkins. So if their first time seeing him is on Sunday in the, when he's defending his title, then I, I don't know. I feel like that was a bit ass backwards. So why he wasn't even out there was mind-blowing. The commentary wasn't terrible, but they really could have brought him out there. And uh, they really could have brought him out there on commentary to talk about the match and or at least confront Kendrick afterwards and do a face-to-face. The fact they didn't do that really dropped the ball in my eyes. But overall, I thought it was a good presentation. It was a good first night for the Cruiserweights on Raw. A nice solid start. Could obviously be better. They can work out the flaws in the weeks ahead. Um, but my biggest thing, again, is having, first of all, the champion out there. Or at least interviewing him via backstage segment or something. And two, having these guys kick off the show. Uh, putting them in the third hour to die a death makes no sense to me. I feel like it's you know counterintuitive to do something like that. So hopefully they start kicking off the show. Or at least be put in the first hour in the uh, weeks going forward. But overall, though, I thought it was good. Really enjoyed the match. Definitely the best match in the entire show on Monday. 
And I look forward to TJ Perkins and Brian Kendrick for the Cruiserweight Championship on Sunday. And then we get to the main event, which was uh, Roman Reigns and the WWE Universal Champion Kevin Owens in a steel cage match. So following up the Cruiserweights with this stuff was really, they're shooting themselves in the foot because this match was going to be overshadowed by the Cruiserweights no matter what. So they already, they're already in a bad place from the get-go. It's not that the match was bad. The match was really good. It's just that the steel cage stipulation was completely worthless. And I know Rusev and Seth Rollins interfered in last week's main event, but you don't have to do a rematch. Roman already lost. Leave it at that. Is it really necessary for him to get his win back and having the Universal Champion lose decisively? He didn't. No, no one cheated. He didn't get pinned, thank God, but he escaped the cage. He still beat the Universal Champion. So that was a stupid, mind-boggling decision, in my opinion. So anyway, Rusev comes out. He attacks Roman Reigns. <clears throat> Rollins makes a save, jumps off the side of the or the top of the cage on top of everybody, and uh, it was a cool visual to close off the show. But I felt like it was anticlimactic. It was a cool moment, but then they close off the show. They 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 close out with a shot of Seth Rollins in the corner, holding his ribs or his chest or whatever, and that was it. He didn't get up and start fighting Owens or, or Rusev. They just. They didn't even bring up the cage. The cage was still down. And from what I heard after the show went off the air, the heels attacked the baby faces. And then, and that was it. I mean, then Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns came face to face and they ended on that, which would have been a lot cooler if they ended the show on that and not what they, well, not what we got instead, <clears throat> which wasn't terrible, but it was like, really? That's it? Like we've seen a lot of that recently with SmackDown, like when Ambrose crotched AJ in the top rope. That was a bit silly, but to end the show on that note, I was like, really? They're they're ending here? Or when the following week, when AJ delivered a low blow to Dean Ambrose, and it's like, again, they're ending here? So, regardless, I thought it was kind of a stupid way to go off the show, other than the, the crossbody off the top of the cage, which was cool. Uh, the main event was really good, I just thought the booking of it was really questionable. So, overall, not a great show, obviously. We really haven't had a great episode of Raw since, uh, in, in a while, really. Um, but I thought it was a good show. I, you know, but really, was it a good show? Wrestling-wise, yes. We had a good main event. The, the cruiserweight stuff was really, really good. The women's match was all right. Rollins and Rusev was good. Um, but as a go-home show, I thought it failed in getting me hyped up for Sunday, which I always am, and I, and I still am hyped for Sunday. But when I say that, I mean more hyped than I already was before Monday's Raw started, which I'm not. So I'm still looking forward to Sunday's show. We'll get to the predictions in a little bit at the end of WrestleRant Radio here today. But as a go-home show, I thought this show was not what it should have been. So we go from there to SmackDown on Tuesday, which I thought was a complete 180 for Monday Night Raw. Um, just a really, really good show start to finish. And SmackDown is, I mean, again, I hate to uh, you know compare the two shows and which one's better, blah, blah, blah. But SmackDown has really been killing it. I bleed blue. I'm a SmackDown guy. I thought, you know, I said from the get-go, I'm going to be a SmackDown follower through and through. And people were saying, even after the first week when Raw blew SmackDown out of the water, I said, or no, people were saying, eh, you're really a SmackDown guy? Because I don't know if they're going to have the best roster. And I said, just give it time. If you give them time to develop their stories, develop the roster, it'll be a musty show in no time. And it has quickly become just that. You know, John Cena lost clean. Cena lost clean in the main event of SmackDown. When was the last time that fucking happened? In a long-ass time, I can tell you that much. A long, long time. And only on SmackDown will you see such a thing. So I thought, again, a really good show overall. We'll start breaking it down right now. Opening the show was a contract signing for the 
WWE SmackDown Women's Championship match at No Mercy between Becky Lynch and Lexa Bliss. Uh, Daniel Bryan monitored the contract signing. Good from both ends. Good mic work from Alexa. Great mic work from Becky. I thought Alexa, she was all right, and she usually is a really, really good mic worker, but I felt like she was kind of nervous at times and not terrible, but she wasn't really in that zone, that same zone that she's been in in NXT earlier on in her run on SmackDown a few weeks ago. Maybe it was just kind of being that one-on-one situation, which she hasn't been up to this point on SmackDown, was what made her nervous. I'm not sure. Um, but it was still a good segment. I like the fact that they're really focusing on the women on Tuesday nights. This was really good. Um, Alexa Bliss laying out Becky to end the segment. I don't think she's winning at No Mercy, but I think so far the build's been good. I look forward to the match. Great for Alexa being spotlighted in the women's championship picture. After that, we had a number one contenders match where the winners would face Slater or Heath Slater and Rhino for the SmackDown Tag Team titles at No Mercy. We had the Usos versus American Alpha. In a rematch from the uh, one of the semifinal matches in the SmackDown Tag Team Title Tournament two weeks ago on SmackDown Live. So, a good match. Uh, it wasn't the barn burner of a bout I thought it could be, but I'm glad it wasn't. Just because where I thought they lacked an exciting in-ring action, which you know these guys can deliver, they really made up for that in the awesome storytelling. With Chad Gable selling the, uh, I think it's the knee injury, right? The knee injury. And he really wanted to tag in, and Jordan's like, oh, I can't tag you in, dude. You're really just not ready. So then that cost him the match. He got double teamed by the Usos. They, you know, chopped Jordan or uh, Gable right from under the knee. They scored the pinfall, and we have a new number one contender. So the tag team titles and no mercy in the Usos. So I thought this was great, really. And you know this is going to be one of many matches they will have in the future between Usos and American Alpha. So I thought this was really good. I like the story that maybe American Alpha came back too soon before they were ready. Chad Gable still injured, and they showed, you know, signs of uh, not being quite ready to return to action in this match with Chad Gable selling that knee injury. So, again, great stuff. The Usos versus Slater and Rhino now official for no mercy for the tag team titles. After that, the upteenth match between Baron Corbin and Apollo Crews. They had a match at uh, Unforgiven, or not Unforgiven, fucking Backlash. I wish Unforgiven would come back. They had a match at Backlash uh, a couple weeks ago, which was good on the kickoff show. Serve no purpose, but still good. They were about to have a rematch last week before uh, Corbin attacked Cruz before the match. And they had another match this week. So technically the third time in two weeks. Um, So the match was all right. Again, told a good story. Not as good as the backlash match, but still all right. Corbin wins. Good for him for building momentum. I've said before that the guy can really be a top star on the blue brand. But I feel bad for Cruz, and people have been saying this, I've been seeing it all over the internet, that they need to split these two up. These two should not be facing each other. They both need wins. So why would you pair them together? And thank God they're pairing Corbin with Swagger, because at least you know Corbin can win. And then again, I said the same thing with Ziggler, and Ziggler beat Corbin for no fucking reason back in April or May or whatever it was, a payback. So I thought this was good. Um, I just really feel bad for Apollo Cruz because I don't know where you go from here with him. Uh, he's really lost a lot. He hasn't won a match and since, probably since he became the number one contender to the IC Championship about a month, month and a half ago, I think. He might have won a match after that, but to my memory, he has not won a match since then, which is really a shame because the guys are really good. Um, so anyway, hopefully they can find something for him to do. I like Corbin and Swagger because, like I said, the matches could be good. They've had matches before on Superstars, the main event. They've always been really good. So I'm fine with the idea of doing Corbin and Swagger now. You know Corbin can win and build more momentum before he faces a John Cena or a Randy Orton or whatever, which two feuds two feuds that could be really, really good, I think, anyway, character-wise and maybe even match-wise. 
But yeah, with Cruz, I just they, they got to find something for the guy. I don't even know who you would pair him with. I'm trying to think of mid-card guys. He lost to Miz twice decisively, so he's not going back after the IC title anytime soon. Um, maybe turn Ziggler heel and do those two in a program. I, I feel like Ziggler would win, so maybe not. Oh, man, I'm trying to think of... I mean, Del Rio's gone, so you can't do that. Uh, there really are, aren't many, like, credible... Maybe Bray Wyatt, but you know what? Wyatt needs wins, too, so I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. Just Cruz... I don't know what you do with the guy, but they need to do something because he really needs a boost, and he's he has that potential to be a top guy. He just needs direction, and he's been sorely lacking it as of late. So from there, we get the Intercontinental Championship match between The Miz and Dolph Ziggler in a rematch from Backlash. Really, really good match. I've yet to see a match between these two that has not been good, great, or awesome. Pun intended. Um, this was really, really good, again, from an in-ring standpoint, but again, from a storytelling standpoint. More of a rehash from Backlash in that it wasn't really... The action was really, really good. A lot of good near falls and stuff like that. But I thought the storytelling was great. With The Miz constantly going for Daniel Bryan's moves and the kicks and the drop kicks and... You know, Ziggler fighting from underneath, hitting the zigzag, one, two, oh, and kicking out the last second. I almost had a heart attack thinking Ziggler almost won. And not in a good way, because I didn't want Ziggler to win. Miz is the infinitely hotter star right now in SmackDown. Ziggler has nothing going for him. And I'm really hoping these constant losses to Dean Ambrose, The Miz, and everyone else, AJ Styles, lead to him going heel in the near future. Because he needs to be a heel. The guy needs to be heel. He's been stagnant as a babyface for three years now. So they need to turn him ASAP. I've said that time and time again. Uh, but anyway, this match was really good. Gladmiz re- retained. The only thing about it I didn't like was the rehash finish from Backlash where he sprayed him in the face. I was fine with it a Backlash. It's typical heel shit, one-on-one, getting heat, whatever. But they literally did the same exact finish for this match. So unless they're building to like a hairspray and a pole match, which they, God, oh my God, I God hope they would and God forbid they do. But, um, so hopefully they just end it here. I don't know who you put Miz up against if he's not facing Ziggler or No Mercy, but I don't know. I don't know. I just don't think that if you do it again, you know Ziggler's winning that third match. If they do it at No Mercy, you know Ziggler's winning, and he should not win because the guy's better as a heel. He needs to go heel, and there's no real potential feuds for him right now that excite me, so uh, maybe at some point. But as far as this match goes, good stuff. Right out come the Miz, still the Intercontinental Champion. Randy Orton taking on Eric Rowan up next. Pretty standard squash match, beating within a minute or two. Uh, match was throwaway, but at least they followed up on Orton getting attacked by Eric Rowan last week, so that was solid follow-up. Another promo from Bray Wyatt that no one gave two shits about. Who cares? Uh, the feud's been all right, but I'm waiting for the match, and hopefully they deliver at no mercy. After that, we had a tag team match. Nikki Bella and Naomi defeating Carmella and Natalya via disqualification in literally a 30-second match. And you knew it was going to be short, too. The match started at maybe 9.35, 9.40. And the show goes until 10. They end at 10 on the dot because of fucking Todd Crisley. And they can't go over like Raw does. SmackDown does not have that advantage, unfortunately. But, uh, so the match lasted all 30 seconds. I don't know whether Miz or Ziggler went late or went too long or what went too long. But something overran the time that it, that it didn't, that it shouldn't have. And therefore, this match suffered. I would have just cut it all together and added more time to seeing Ambrose and just on an angle backstage where they attack each other. And, that, I mean, you could have done what they done here, what they did here with Carmella attacking Nikki Bella. You could have done that backstage, which was, that was good, a good way to further their feud. But why not just do it backstage? It was really a waste of a match. But, again, I feel like they were a victim of time constraints. 
and they should have just held off until next week. But as they mentioned, the main event of Dean Ambrose versus John Cena for only the third time ever, if you can believe that. They had that first match about almost exactly two years ago on Raw, that contract and a pull match to face Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell, that goofy-ass match, which Ambrose won, so that was that. He, he did beat John Cena in the main event of Raw. You can't say that much. Then he lost to John Cena in the first ever match in the U.S. Open the night after WrestleMania 31. Awesome match. This match was also really good. Ambrose winning clean. I was fully expecting a non-finish with Styles coming in and then, you know, doing a double disqualification or something along those lines to set up the need for a rematch or whatever. But no, Ambrose won clean with a roll-up. I was very happy with that. I did not see that coming whatsoever. A big endorsement win for Dean Ambrose. And it makes sense, too. It's not completely random. Because as announced afterwards, next week it will be AJ Styles versus Dean Ambrose one-on-one for the WWE World Championship. So Ambrose built momentum in a major way by beating John Cena, that same momentum that he has not had in a while. And Styles and Cena have really been bringing the best out of Dean Ambrose lately. So if and when he goes heel, hopefully in the near future, before that, I'm glad he's doing the character work that he is right now. He's having really good matches with AJ, another really good match here with John Cena, beating him clean. And Roots are going back after the goal next week on SmackDown Live. Uh, a really good way to promote that match. So again, I really enjoyed this a lot. The whole booking of this I thought was great. And as I mentioned, next Tuesday, AJ Ambrose one-on-one, part two for the WWE World Championship. So again, good match. Looking forward to that. Overall, just a really good show. I think it might have been my favorite episode of SmackDown since uh, since the draft, I think. Overall, it was a great show. The only real match I didn't care about was the second women, or the, the only women's match. We had another women's segment, but this was the only women's match. But that wasn't really their fault. They got their time you know, cut short, whatever, I'm sure. So that was fine. At least they furthered the feud between Nikki Bella and Carmella. So it wasn't a, a total waste. It was kind of stupid and throwaway, but at least it served some sort of a purpose. Orton Eric Rowan was exactly what it needed to be. Miz and Ziggler having the match of the night. Ambrose and Cena already spoke on that really good match. Corbin and Cruz teasing something between Corbin and Jack Swagger. Fun for what that was. Usos and American Alpha, good match. Great storytelling. Sets up the right outcome for Usos, Slater, and Rhino at No Mercy. And just an awesome opener, an awesome opening segment between Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss in the contract signing for their women's championship match at No Mercy. So overall, two thumbs up, really smacked and had the, had the show of the week, without a doubt. Uh, really good stuff, and I'm already looking forward to No Mercy at the beginning of October. I think it's October 9th, so can't wait for that. Then we go from there to NXT on Wednesday night, which I do not get to spend a lot of time on, usually. Um, we will have some time today to talk about it before we get into Clash of Champions predictions, predictions. But NXT on Wednesday kicked off with Samoa Joe addressing his actions, in which he attacked Shinsuke Nakamura, the NXT champion, at the start of last week's show. Just a vicious assault. I think I mentioned that last week. That was by far the best part of the entire show. Um, but this was, I mean, Joe's been fucking killing it, dude. Killing it on the mic. Every promo is a gem that this guy cuts in NXT. He knows his character. He knows his own intensity. He knows himself inside and out, and he can relay that through his promos, and I really, really like that. Not to mention his matches are always good to great. So, uh, really good stuff here. Samoa Joe sending NXT General Manager William Regal a warning that if he does not get his NXT Championship rematch in the near future, he's going to be running rampant over the entire NXT roster. So, I'm looking forward to seeing where that leads to. If we can get a Samoa Joe attack, at least one Joe attack, on every episode of NXT going forward... We're going to be in for a fun run until TakeOver Toronto in about a month from... Or I said before, you know, it shouldn't be Joe Nakamura to it at TakeOver. They should do that beforehand. So, at least next month or so until Nakamura comes back from injury, 
It's going to be fun, so I look forward to it. After that, we had Austin Aries taking on One Larkin, the former uh, Christopher Gerard, the former Biff Busick from this area of the States in the Boston, Massachusetts area. Um, I actually saw RJ and I both, we saw a great match between him and uh, I think it was Tommaso Ciampa, who was also another Massachusetts native. Really good fucking match. Amazing match at that NXT Live event that we went to back in April. So that was awesome. Another really fun match here. Austin Aries wins. Not exactly sure whether Lorcan's supposed to be a babyface or a heel. He wins some matches. He loses a lot. So he doesn't really have a string of momentum right now, but he should. Um, so hopefully at some point they will start pushing because the guy is really, really good. Anyway, so like I said, Austin Aries wins with the last chancery before Hideo Itami comes out to confront Aries. Aries bolts to the back. So great progression of their storyline here. Looking forward to seeing them clash. Hopefully they take over Toronto in a few months. Billy Kay versus Aaliyah up next. Fine for what it was. Uh, Billy Kay is getting better. Her presence is down. I like the entrance. She's got a great presence about her. The cape, uh, the long legs, the blue, the all-out blue attire, the blue Tista attire, I think is great. She just really has yet to have a match that blows me away. Like, to show me that, wow, this girl is good. Maybe she will at some point. I'm not sure. But so far, it's been like, you know, she's good, but she's not as great as Asuka or as great as Bailey was or Charlotte's. You know what I mean? So maybe at some point we will see that uh, from Billy Kay. I, I do want to mention this, too. I have defended Full Steel University time and time again um, over the past number of years. I wrote a whole article uh, four years ago, when NXT first moved to Full Sail University in Winter Park, Florida, about how great of an environment it was, the crowd was lively, they gave a shit, unlike the main roster crowds, when NXT was still taped before SmackDown and no one gave a crap about them. It was a fresh environment. And only recently, I've seen a lot of hate for Full Sail, and at least the last year, I, saw, I remember distinctly remember a Full Sail sucks chant in, um, in, in the Barclays Center from TakeOver Brooklyn last year, much less this year. So the hate for Full Sail has been going on. It runs deep. It's been going on for at least a year now, at least. And I never really jumped on board with it just because I've always enjoyed Full Sail. It's not the annoying chance like, oh, we want some bail. Like, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me at all. The chance they do are fine. When they chant things that are disrespectful, like this is filler during Aaliyah versus Billy Kay, that's what pisses me off. That's just getting smarky for the sake of getting smarky. That's just being a flat-out asshole. And they were just extremely disrespectful during this match. They're building up Billy Kay. Give the girl a break. That's fucking disrespect. I'm not saying everyone was doing it, but a few people were. A nice handful of fans were chanting that. It's like, really? Fuck you. That's stupid. So anyway, that's just dumb. And then the fact they didn't even react for like half the people on this show. And Full Sail, when they're lively, they're lively, especially for the takeovers. But during the TV tapings, I know they tape a lot in one night. But it's slow. They, they tape a lot for Impact in one night, too. And they're also dead. I've shit on the Impact Zone for years. The Impact Zone sucks in terms of having, you know, crowds that are good. And Full sales getting pretty much the same way. They're not all that lively. It's just a dead crowd some weeks. You know, a lot of weeks. Even, I know my friend Noah, John, as you guys know, is only really caught up on NXT right before he went to take over. And he's like, you know, Full sales not really that great of a crowd. And I'm like... No, they are. They're just kind of tired or whatever. They're not mute. They're not mic'd properly. But now I'm really done defending them, really. I thought that was... That crossed the line for me. And then the fact that they didn't react for guys like Austin Aries or Joe when they came out. Like, fuck you. I mean, really? Like, if you're attending these shows and you're seeing these stars up and close and, and in person, it should be a cool thing. They're getting 
very jaded. And not even becoming. They have become very, very jaded in at least the last year or so. So hopefully they start going on the road more. Or I hope that with as much money as this fucking company has, they start taping... Um, they, they start taping live shows every week. I don't not live, but at least taping week to week episodes. I feel like, I don't know if that would work out for them because they have to train the PC and they go on tour and stuff like that. So I don't know how plausible that is, but that's why the takeover shows are really good because they're only seeing like two hours of wrestling. That's it. They're not watching five shows in one. They're dead by the end of it. And now it's becoming their fault because they're chanting stupid shit like that or not reacting for half the guys in the show that deserve reactions. So especially for NXT, one of the hottest brands in, in wrestling right now. Uh, that really should not be the case. That bothered me on Wednesday. Anyway, moving on. So we get to the main event on a lighter note. Cedric Alexander making his NXT debut in the main event against Andrade Cien Almas in a really, really good match. Very glad. I spoke on this very show two weeks ago about how Andrade needed to ditch the stupid suspenders and the fedora. Thank God he did so. He did so on Wednesday. Um, he might have. I know he might have done it for his match with Arias two weeks ago. I don't remember exactly, but I know he did for this show. And uh, he was wearing like a jacket instead or something like that. It was a really, really good match. Cedric wins, and I don't think the interesting thing is that Andrade has been, you know, the NXT pet project, but he lost three straight matches. He was on a roll from Takeover the end up until Takeover Brooklyn. Then he lost to Bobby Roode. Then he lost to Austin Aries. Now he loses to Cedric Alexander. All people that he should be losing to because they're better than him, at least right now. Um, but from what I know, Cedric is not an NXT regular. He might be, but obviously he debuted on Raw on Monday as a member of the main roster. So we'll see where that goes. And I just thought it was interesting that Cedric won, but I'm glad he did. And from what I'm hearing, they'll probably be teaming up in the Dusty Rhodes, the second annual Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that should be really, really good. So again, NXT on Wednesday, another really fun show. I thought, Austin, you know, three decent matches with Cedric Alexander and Andrade, Billy Kay. Their match, her match was fine. Uh, Aries and Lorcan was, was really good too. Samoa Joe's promo was great. So again, overall, really good show, an enjoyable hour of wrestling. From there, guys, to close out the show, we're going to have predictions for Clash of Champions this upcoming Sunday. Uh, looking forward to the show on the whole, like I said, just not any more excited now than it was about a week ago before Raw took place, but that's neither here nor there. On the kickoff show, we have Alicia Fox versus Nia Jax. Um, I like this on the kickoff show, I really do. I think it's a match that probably would die a death if it was on the main show, if it was on the main card, the main show. Um, they've been building up this feud well from their match not even happening to Nia Jax beating the crap out of her, you know, a couple weeks ago. And what happened this past week. So I'm liking that they're having a match on the kickoff show. That's a perfect enough place for it. Nia Jax wins. What other outcome can you do? And Alicia Fox will not be the one to finally beat Nia Jax. That's just not happening. So obviously Nia Jax wins here. Um, Alicia Fox will be the first member of the main roster that she will face at Clash of Champions. Uh, other than She faced her a few weeks ago, but you know what I mean. Her first main roster match, really, that she's facing a member of uh, of Raw, of the Raw brand, until, you know, since Nia Jax was first drafted among the Night Raw. So that should be interesting. But looking forward to the match either way. Uh, TJ Perkins versus Brian Kendrick for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. This is the match I think will steal the show. I mean, I know that's not really a bold prediction because these guys always steal the show. Oh, the Cruiserweights always steal the show. But Perkins is great. Kendrick is phenomenal. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this match. TJ literally just won the belt. As happy as they would be to see Kendrick win the Cruiserweight Championship at some point, and he should, 
Right now is not that time. TJ just won the belt a week ago, so that's not happening. TJ Perkins retains the belt, but expecting a really, really good match out of these guys. And again, if you put them in the opener, even if they don't, if, even if you don't put them in the opener, they're definitely going to steal the show. I will go so far as to say that on the record right now, TJ Perkins and Brian Kendrick will steal the show on Sunday. Cesaro versus Sheamus in match seven of the best of seven series. Again, I'm hoping for their best bout to date. Um, all the matches they've been having at Raw have been pretty good. I thought the match at SummerSlam was great. Definitely the best match they've had so far. But I'm hoping they're saving the best for last. And as I said earlier, I'm not really sure what's on the line here. Because Cesaro and Sheamus have said at various points in interviews and shit that the winner of this best of seven series will get a championship opportunity of some sort. But the commentators haven't really said that. It's not being... Maybe he does say it in the match preview on WWE.com. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm just confused. So I guess we'll find out either more next or on, you know, on the show, during the match, or on Monday's Raw. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, still looking forward to it. The match should be good from an in-ring standpoint. I gotta put you know Cesaro over. If you have Sheamus win, why? The guy's a dead brand. He's dead in the water. No one really cares as much about him as they did a couple years ago. Even a year ago, the guy was hotter than he was right now. Just He's got nothing going for him. So yeah, I got Cesaro winning here. The New Day versus the club for the Raw Tag Team Championship. I am just ready for this feud to wrap up. The promos have not been funny. The matches have not really been that good. They've been all right, but they haven't been great or anything. The Smack, the SummerSlam match was all right. The Raw rematch was just there. Um, so again, from an in-ring standpoint, from a development standpoint, this feud has not really been intriguing me at all. Um, but I got to put the belts in the club. If not, then I don't know why, even why they even bother continuing this feud if they're going to have New Day win again. So, um, I think club wins, and we finally see the end of the New Day's well over one-year reign as WWE Tag Team Champions. After that, for the Raw Women's Championship, Charlotte defending against Sasha Banks and Bayley in a triple threat match. This is another match I would keep, I'd be on the lookout for as a potential match of the night, a show stealer. These three girls have killed it in NXT for years now. Bayley and Sasha had their first NXT TV match against each other. Uh, Obviously, all three of these women have faced off on various takeovers one-on-one before, so the match should be really, really good. Um, again, as much as I complained earlier about the bout, the build for the bout just being all over the place, the match itself should be amazing, so I can't wait for it. But in terms of who goes over, um, I said this yesterday on Randy Cruz's Cruise Control podcast, but whatever the outcome is, Bailey must lose. And I say that as a Bailey fan. It's not that I don't like her, but it's way too soon. Way too soon. She literally just arrived on the main roster no more than a month ago. Exactly a month ago from today. So why you would have her debut on, you know, have her debut one month and win the belt the next, to me, would be a waste. So hopefully that is not in the cards. Um, And Bailey wins the belt down the line. They build to it, you know, for a Sasha-Bailey match at WrestleMania, hopefully. But uh, yeah, I would not do the title change here. And Sasha won the belt. She lost it. Charlotte won it back. So I wouldn't do a title change just yet anyway. So I think Charlotte retains still the Raw Women's Champion. I could see Sasha winning, but I really just hope Bailey doesn't win. I'd mark out regardless. I'd be really happy for her, but it's just far too soon. So um, I'd have Charlotte winning. I could see Banks winning, but I got Charlotte. She's my official pick for that match. After that, Sami Zayn versus Chris Jericho. Another match I'm really excited for just because... We've seen them face each other, you know, we've seen them face off at various points in 2016, but Sami Zayn finally has direction for the first time since coming to Raw. Because, you know, ever since the feud with um, Owens culminated at Battleground, Zayn has really been floundering for the past two months, so I'm glad he has direction, Jericho too, 
The promos have been good. You know, their highlight reel segment was really good. And because it really only has a two-week build, I think it'd be silly for them to cut the feud short if it ends on Sunday and that's it. You know, they should really drag this out as much as possible, especially if Jericho's not going back to doing music and stuff until early 2017 or whatever. Uh, this run has been his best, in my opinion. And I think it continues on Sunday with a win over Sami Zayn. I think you can build to an ultimate win for Zayn at, you know, at the next pay-per-view. So at Hell in a Cell, I think it would be, and then build to a potential triple threat, a sexy-ass triple threat between Owens, Zayn, and Jericho at Survivor Series for the World Championship. That would be insane. So I can't wait for that if that's in the cards. So anyway, really good match on paper, and I think Jericho wins. You could build to a Sami Zayn win at Hell in a Cell. Um, I don't think it's really necessary to do what they did with Dean Ambrose and Jericho and have Ambrose win You know, both matches on pay-per-view against Jericho. You don't need to do that. Uh, just because Ambrose was in much more need of victories than Zayn is right now. Zayn is, he flourishes a lot like Bailey as an underdog, so he does not need to win here. I think Jericho wins on Sunday, uh, maybe via Dirty Tactics, whatever, but regardless, I got Jericho going over. Rusev versus Roman Reigns for the United States Championship. I'm just not feeling the title change. I was at SummerSlam before they went to the fucking non-finish, the brawl, which was stupid. But yeah, Rusev, I think he's walking out Sunday, still the U.S. Champion. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they put the belt on Reigns, but... I don't know, they really have not built enough. They really have not built this feud up enough because they built it up for a few weeks before SummerSlam. And then they kind of went away with it. No, they moved away from it for like three weeks. Three Raws in a row that they didn't do the feud. They kind of ignored it. And they went back to it just last week before furthering that feud on Monday's Raw. So I assume it's not going to be the end of the road for this feud, unfortunately. But uh, I got Rusev retaining in this match. And then in the main event, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. For the WWE Universal Championship, Whew, uh, again, the match, I think the first time ever, not only in WWE, but I think it might be ever. I don't think Rollins and Owens were in Ring of Honor at the same time. They might be, correct me if I'm wrong, but Kevin Steen versus Tyler Black for the first time ever in wrestling is happening this Sunday at Clash of Champions, so that should be a spectacle to say the least. But yeah, in terms of who goes over, I got Owens retaining. I think it's way too early to give the belt right back to Rollins. He just turned babyface. He could drag this out a little longer until Hell in a Cell. Owens just won the belt. It would be far too soon to take the title off of him. So, bottom line, Triple H should not show up. I know some people are disappointed that he hasn't showed up since the turn on Seth Rollins, the betrayal of Seth Rollins, his protege, his right-hand man, a month ago. But I think it's for the better, really. Um, I I don't think you need to rush into that right now and get into the aftermath of that feud because you know, or at least I hope, that they're doing the match at WrestleMania 32. Not at Survivor Series, not at Hell in a Cell, not even at the Royal Rumble, but at WrestleMania 33, not 32. I'm getting my fucking numbers mixed up here. I'm sorry. But um, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I think that 32 is coming up. Just because maybe I heard so many times that I thought WrestleMania 32 would be the biggest of all time. And technically it was, I guess, from an attendance standpoint. But anyway... Um, I, I keep on calling it WrestleMania 32 for some reason. I always said that in articles here on the show when I'm talking to people, I always say WrestleMania 32 is coming up in April of 2017 when it's really 33. I should know this because I want to go to that show, so I should probably know what WrestleMania I'm going to. So I'm going completely off track here. Owens-Rollins, I got Owens going over. Triple H, the point I was trying to make was that Rollins and Triple H should not face off until WrestleMania 33. You got plenty of time to build that up. You don't need to rush into it right now. You could save that for a, for a rainy day. When I say rainy day, I mean WrestleMania 33. So hopefully it does not show up at any point in the near future, at least in a regular role. 
Uh, but yeah, I got Owens going over, or at least maybe not not winning per se, but retaining the title to set up a rematch for Hell in a Cell, probably inside Hell in a Cell next month. So those are my predictions for Clash of Champions on Sunday. I think the show could be really, really good. They're probably feeling the pressure right now. They're feeling the pressure. They got to live up to Backlash, which was a great show presented by SmackDown Live earlier this month. Definitely one of my more favorite events of 2016. We've had a lot of great pay-per-views this year. I think a lot of people overlooked that fact. Uh, WrestleMania 32, regardless of what he thought about it, I thought it was an entertaining show. I know that was a mixed bag, but the Royal Rumble was awesome. I thought Payback and Extreme Rules, back-to-back. I was at Extreme Rules, so were both really good. Money in the Bank was great. I thought Battleground was phenomenal. SummerSlam, again, a mixed bag, but, you know, entertaining. It was it was a, it was a treat. It, it was good. It wasn't great, but it, it was pretty good. Uh, Backlash was also really good, so I'm looking forward to Clash of Champions on Sunday. Hopefully, it can continue the recent strong streak of phenomenal pay-per-views put on by this company. So, anyway, guys, that is it for WrestleMania. WrestleMania. I wish it was WrestleMania time. Almost there. I, actually, I don't wish it was WrestleMania time because I do want to enjoy the build from now until then. I'll probably be at a wrestling show, Alchemania 4. If you're in the area, just a cheap plug. I forgot to mention this at the start of the show, but Alchemania 4, which I think I talked about on the first ever episode of WrestleRant Radio, believe it or not, um, three years ago. We're quickly coming up, if you can even believe this, we're quickly coming up on the three-year anniversary of WrestleRant Radio, which blows my mind. So thank you guys for the amazing support. But anyway, as I was trying to say, Alchemania 4 coming up this Saturday. Um, the 24th in the Beverly Mass area, if you guys live over in the UK or whatever, probably doesn't even matter to you, but if you guys live in the Massachusetts area, be sure to check out that show Saturday night in the Beverly, Massachusetts uh, area at the Beverly Salem Elks Lodge. I've been to Alchemy 1 and 3. I couldn't go to 2. I was home for a wedding or something, so I couldn't go, but I should be there on Saturday. I will also be at Hell in a Cell with uh, Mr. Marceau. The Go to Hell tour continues with Alchemania on Saturday. And also, I will be at Ring of Honor All-Star Extravaganza um, next Friday. So I'll probably do a preview show of that next Thursday here on the show, only a mere 24 hours before I'm at that pay-per-view. My first ever Ring of Honor show, period, but I'm so happy it's you know a pay-per-view. It's All-Star Extravaganza in Lowell, Mass. I think in the same arena that the NXT live event that I went to with RJ back in April was at as well. So... That should be a really, really good show. Can't wait for that, too. So the Go to Hell Tour is underway, guys. It started with Chaotic Wrestling um, a couple weeks ago. That was an awesome show. Got to meet a lot of great people. Cannot wait for Alchemy 4 on Saturday and also our All-Star Extravaganza presented by Ring of Honor next Friday before the Go to Hell Tour continues and culminates with Mr. Marceau in Boston at the TD Garden on October 30th, a mere day before Halloween, my favorite holiday of the year. So as I said, guys, fall is today. Fall is underway. Believe it or not, 2016 has just blown by. I was just talking to someone about it a week ago this past week and how 2016 has really flashed before our eyes. It's really just kind of blown by. And I think that's a good thing. You know, time flies and you're having fun. And that is certainly evident, at least for me, in the world of wrestling in 2016. It's been a great year. Looking forward to how it, uh, we can finish up in the three months ahead. I'm looking forward to a, just a stacked next couple of months here in 2016. So as always, guys, before we go off the air, be sure to check out all my various social media sites, websites, whatever else. First, by following me first and foremost on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. Um, as I've said before, I know I lied last week, but I don't know if I'll be around for Raw for the next couple of months. 
um, just because I'm working internship right now here in the you know Massachusetts area while I'm at school. I'm working an internship. It's been great. It is a newspaper, so I'm working late on like Monday and Tuesdays just to get stuff in before Wednesday. Um, so I was able to work from home, work from my dorm on Monday and Tuesday of this week. So I did catch Raw and SmackDown. That was a one-off instance, though. I'll probably not be back. It's cool I'll be able to catch the pay-per-views, which is even more important, but I'll probably not be watching Raw or SmackDown Live for a while um, for the next couple of months. So just a heads up on that. I probably will not be live tweeting during the shows for a little bit. So regardless, I will be uh, still tweeting anyway. Check out my thoughts on the Twitter machine, my two cents on the world of wrestling, at WrestleRant on Facebook as well at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews. And also on YouTube as well at youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews uh, for full videos pretty much every single day. Hashtag AskGSM, WrestleRant, WWE Network and Chill, WrestleRant Radio excerpts. As you're listening to right now, you can check out little clips of the show that I put up on Thursdays, the same day as the show goes up. And also on Friday is my random video blog. So all that and much more over the weekends <clears throat> is available on the YouTube channel at youtube.com. Once again, youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. And this very website, nextairwrestling.net, where you can check out full written reviews of Raw, SmackDown Live, Lucha Underground, NXT, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and everything else in between uh, going on all the time. So check out those full reviews right here on the website in addition to much more great columns by a couple guest columnists, one Mr. Marceau, who put up an article this past week, his latest RJ's Two Cents installment, talking about why SmackDown is no longer the B-show of the WWE. Good article. Check it out. So that's it, guys. For all the plugs, uh, again, check me out at all those social media sites. Explore nextairwrestling.net. Hope to see you guys. If you're in the area, Elkamania for this Saturday at the Beverly Salem Elks Lodge in Beverly, Massachusetts. Going to be a fun time. It's parents' weekends right here on campus, so don't know how much of writing and uh, tweeting and stuff of that I will be doing because I will be spending most of the weekend with my family. But one thing is for sure, I will be live tweeting and watching Clash of Champions on Sunday live on the WWE Network. So hopefully you guys are as well. Join me on the Twitter machine and all the other social media sites for my live thoughts on the show. So that being said, guys, enjoy the rest of your week and weekend. Have a blast watching Clash of Champions on Sunday. Fingers crossed it's a good show. I'm Graham Jason Matthews. Enjoy the fall season, and I'll catch you folks down the road. Yeah,